Howdy, folks. This is the Words of Truth from the Scriptures podcast. I'm Brian Yeager. Glad you've tuned in to listen. Today, we're going to be talking about this idea of, of perpetual ignorance uh, that a lot of people believe. I'll explain that to you, and we'll get into it in a moment. But just a couple of quick things before we get started. First of all, I want to give you a heads up. Tuesday, the podcast, if all goes according to plan, is going to be about the need to be in a sound congregation. So I hope you'll tune in to listen to that. The second thing is, I got a message this week from a sister in Christ. Her name is Liz. Shout out to her. And she said she saw a silly joke, and it made her think of me. So I thought I would share this silly joke. The joke goes, never challenge death to a pillow fight unless you are prepared to face the repercussions. <laughs> Hope that quote-unquote dad joke uh, did something a little for you to make you smile today. It certainly made me laugh when I got it. And I was glad to know that my sister in Christ, whom I love dearly, sees a dad joke and thinks of me. I don't know what that's supposed to mean, but you know, I'll take it for what it is. <laughs> okay. Anyway, to serious matters as it relates to our subject matter of biblical discussion in this podcast. This idea that a lot of people have, and unfortunately, a lot of false teachers teach, that you are never going to arrive at a point of knowledge, that you are always unable to know. And some teach it overtly, in the open by that, I'm, uh, by that, I mean in the open. And others teach it covertly, by suggestion, by vague implications, etc. And what people do with this, what false teachers do with this, is they give people an idea that you're just perpetually ignorant. That whether you've been studying the Bible for five minutes, five months, five years, or 50 years, you still have so much to know that you're never going to fully come to the knowledge of the truth. I want to address that in this podcast. And I want to start off by talking about an obvious point and growing from there into our lesson. When you're looking at the New Testament, and let's say, for example, you're reading through Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, etc., etc., etc. When you're reading through the book of Matthew, all of the New Testament hasn't been written yet. Now, all the events recorded in the book of Matthew have occurred because Matthew is written later than the events. That should be obvious, right? Uh, same thing with Mark, Luke, and John. And, and Luke is... Uh, a first epistle to a man named Theophilus, a first letter to a man named Theophilus, and the book of Acts is a second letter. And those are written after the events have occurred. They're not prophetic, they're not before, and they're not during, they're not written while everything is going on. Luke wasn't with Jesus uh, and Theophilus uh, receiving these letters at that time. So, it should be obvious but I don't think it is that when you're reading about the events in the book of Luke or in the book of Acts, the New Testament has not been written. Same thing with Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Uh, the, the New Testament hadn't even began to be written during those events. The book of Acts, obviously some books uh, were penned during that, that time, you know, just take an easy target that... I don't think anybody would ever be able to disagree with. The book of James is written during the time that saints are scattered, Acts 8 through Acts 11, uh, from the persecution that's in Jerusalem. It's written to, to Jewish Christians. Um, so that's an early epistle written during the time uh, that events in the book of Acts were occurring. But then you have other letters that are written later. So when you're reading through the New Testament, you're reading 1 Corinthians, for example, and you should know this. I mean, it should be logical. But again, sometimes people have those duh moments. I've had them. We likely have all had them where the obvious should stand out to us. But 
when 1 Corinthians is written, there's still a second letter to come to them, right? That's why there's 2 Corinthians. Um, so you know, just on that basic level, you, you don't have to be a student of biblical history. Just on that basic level, um, you know that, hey, everything is not known to the Corinthians. In fact, that's the case with 99.9% .9 of the New Testament, right? That while these letters are being written, they're not even received yet. So when John is writing Revelation to the seven churches in Asia Minor, that's whom the book is written to, while he's writing it, they have yet to receive it. That's obvious, right? So they don't know even what's written in that letter, okay? So when we look at the scriptures, there are some standout points. Like Paul, the context in 1 Corinthians chapters 12, 13, and 14 is relative to spiritual gifts and the applications of that as it applies to the saints in Corinth. And he, as an apostle and a prophet and an evangelist, a preacher of the gospel, says in 1 Corinthians 13, 9, for we know in part and we prophesy in part. That tells you there's things still left to be revealed. So in that letter in 1 Corinthians, when Paul says in 1 Corinthians 8, 2, if any man think that he knoweth anything, he knoweth nothing yet as he ought to know. You know, hey, statements like that are understood as the time of partial revelation. You know, there's still more to come. It's not supposed to apply to you and I, where somebody would read to you and I, 1 Corinthians 8, 2, or 1 Corinthians 13, 9, and say, see, you know in part, or, well, you don't know anything as you ought to know. No, they didn't, but we have the full revelation of God. And when you look back at Genesis through Malachi, the, again, should be obvious. You know that they couldn't know everything at that time, but just to put scripture to that, 1 Peter 1, 9 through 12 Peter's writing there about the resurrection to come, salvation. says, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. Just stop here for a moment. Just another point that people tend not to realize in Bible study. Your salvation, my salvation, is still to come if you've been obedient to the Lord, okay? Um, there's a sense in which you can say you've been saved from your sins, but salvation, the realization of it, isn't until after the resurrection and the judgment. So coming back to this, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls, 1 Peter 1, 9, continuing through, through verse 12, says, of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently, who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you, searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ which was in them did signify when it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow, unto whom it was revealed that not unto themselves, but unto us they did minister the things which are now reported unto you by them that have preached the gospel unto you with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven, which things the angels desire to look into. So the prophets didn't know. The angels didn't know. These things were a mystery. That's why you read that language in the New Testament. Yet, even as, whether we're talking about the Old Testament or we're talking about events as the New Testament was being written and delivered and the hands, even during those times of partial knowledge, when all had not been revealed, they still had sufficient at that time what was required for them to know and please God. Take, for example, the book of Proverbs, Solomon being the penman. So this is, yeah, there's a lot of events under the quote-unquote Old Testament that happened after Solomon. But Proverbs 2, 1 through 10, my son if thou wilt receive my words and hide my commandments with thee, so that thou incline thine ear unto wisdom and apply thy heart to understanding, yea, if thou criest after knowledge and lifts up the voice for understanding, if thou seekest her as silver and searchest for her as for hid treasures, then thou shalt understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord giveth wisdom, out of his mouth cometh knowledge and understanding. He layeth up sound wisdom for the righteous. He is a buckler to them that walk uprightly. He keepeth the paths of judgment and preserveth the way of his saints. Then shalt thou understand righteousness and judgment and equity, yea, every good path, when wisdom entereth into thine heart and knowledge is pleasant unto thy soul. So, hey, Solomon, 
you can find knowledge. Solomon wrote about wisdom and knowledge throughout the book of Proverbs. In the New Testament, as Luke wrote uh, the book of Acts, and he's recording events in the time of, of the life of, of, of Paul and the work of Paul, in Acts 28, 23, when they had appointed him a day, that is the apostle Paul, there came unto him into his lodging to whom he expounded and testified the kingdom of God, persuading them concerning Jesus, both out of the law of Moses and out of the prophets from morning till evening. You're able to teach Jesus even in time of incomplete revelation. Paul wrote to the Ephesians in Ephesians 3, 4, whereby when ye read, ye may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. At a time of incomplete revelation, you can read, have knowledge, and understand. At a time of incomplete revelation, Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy 3, 15 through 17, from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise into salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by the inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works." From a child, he was able to know the scriptures that could save him. And at that time that Paul wrote this to Timothy, Revelation's not complete. He's talking about all, all the scriptures, and they don't even have all the scriptures, were profitable to teach from, to correct, to learn righteousness, that the hearer and believer, the person who is looking at those scriptures may be perfect, complete, whole, Thoroughly furnished unto all good works at the time of incomplete revelation. So this idea of perpetual ignorance was even wrong before the whole word of God was revealed. Now, learning and growth are certainly a continual process. Again, at a time of incomplete revelation, Colossians 1.10 says, You might walk worthy of the Lord and all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Even when the Colossians may have, understand that I'm using the word may have, I'm not saying they did, but let's say they may have had all access to everything that had been written through the time period of their letter, which is unlikely, but let's just for argument's sake put it out there. Even if they had sat down and flawlessly studied from the book of Genesis through everything that was revealed at the time that the letter to Colossae is written. And at that point, they would have had the full revelation of God up to that point. Even if they did that, they could still grow and increase in learning. We're going to talk about that as we go through uh, this podcast. But even before all was fully revealed, and even before Christians had access to everything, let, you know, let's remember, okay? When Paul writes this letter to Colossae, if you go into chapter 4, they're to, they're to share it with the saints in Laodicea, etc. So they're passing around letters. Uh, they're to be read. Um, how long does it take for that letter to get from Paul to Colossae to Laodicea? Well, we don't know, but this we do know for sure. He didn't email it to them. They didn't print it out and distribute it to the congregation or email it to all the members of the congregation. He didn't text message some attachment to them that they instantly received it. So whether it's days, months, weeks, or years, there's time in which there's a period from when it was written to when it was delivered to when it was read to when it was shared. On top of that, the distribution of that to other saints, how long does all of that take? It's not minutes, days, or weeks. It's years. Okay, But having said all of that, even with that challenge, Christians were not without knowledge of the truth. Rome, the saints there are told in Romans 15, 14, and 15, and I myself am also persuaded of you, my brethren, that you are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, able also to admonish one another. Nevertheless, Brethren, I've written them more boldly unto you in some sort at putting you in mind because of the grace that is given to me of God. Did you hear that? You're full of goodness, filled with all knowledge. Now, we know they didn't even have access to all the scriptures, so that's not what he's talking about. But they were capable of knowing what was required of them at that time. In 1 John 
says, I have not written unto you because you know not the truth, but because ye know it and that no lies of truth. Before the complete revelation of God, Christians knew the truth. Even when the time of knowledge was limited and spiritual gifts were in place, you know, Ephesians chapter 4, 7 through 15 is kind of a parallel to what 1 Corinthians 13 teaches. I'm going to go ahead and give it to you. It says, but unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Now that he ascendeth, what is it but that he descendeth first in the lower parts of the earth? He that descendeth is the same also that ascended up far above all heavens that he might fill all things. And he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of Christ, till, so that tells you this, this is a temporary setup, till we all come to the unity of faith, so till there's one faith, and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, under the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie and wait to deceive. Now, now let's just stop there. Um, and we're going we're gonna to go on verse 15 here momentarily. Even when all things are not revealed, even when Christians were in a state of revelation immaturity, notice what they were able to do. Verse 15 of Ephesians 4, but speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. Even before the complete revelation of God, they were able to speak the truth and to grow. Hmm. Ponder that for a moment. Now, I'm not going to keep reminding you that when I'm using these scriptures, all hasn't been revealed. I hope I've driven that in in this podcast enough. I want to go a little bit more fluid now and get you to ponder some things. You know, one of the text that just always screams out to me, and it's kind of the basis of our lesson. Jesus, when he was teaching a group of Jews in John 8, he said to them in John 8, 31 and 32, Jesus said to those Jews, which believed on him, if ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. He did not say to those which believed on him, that they would never know the truth. He said that they would know the truth and be made free. So let's say for the sake of argument, let's just draw out this illustration. For the sake of argument, let's say everybody in that audience was 15 years old. Okay? And let's say on average, they lived to be 100 not likely, but just for the sake of illustration. They have 85 years of life. So, it is reasonable to say, within 85 years, ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free, was completely and wholly possible. Now, we've already proven that with other scriptures, Romans 15, 14, and 15, 1 John 2, 21. But even if you just take John 8, 31 through 32, and you're completely not headed about this subject matter. I'm not sure I understand. <laughs> Siri chimed in. She doesn't have an understanding. Anyway, even if you don't know what you're talking about, even if you're clueless, you have to be able to reason, have to be able to, that into the second century, people had the complete ability of knowing the truth. That's reasonable. When we add to that the fact that now we live in 2023, we have the Word of God available to us in so many translations Languages that I have never found a challenge teaching the Word of God to anybody. No language barrier that I've ever encountered surpasses the translations that are available to us. You can hear 
and you can know. When we look back to the first century, we have full confirmation that it didn't even take 85 years. In 1 John 5.20, we know that the Son of God has come and has given us an understanding that we may know Him that is true. And we are in Him that is true. Even in His Son, Jesus Christ, this is the true God and eternal life. The language there is, we know. They had an understanding. It wasn't a mystery. The will of God in 1 Timothy 2, 3, and 4, this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. It is not the will of God that there be a perpetual ignorance. Even when there was willful ignorance, you know, look at times like in 2 Peter chapter 3 where they were willfully ignorant concerning the second coming of Christ, 2 Peter 3, 5. This they were willingly or ignorant of, that by the word of God the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of the water and the water. This is when people are um, saying, oh, you know, tomorrow's going to keep coming, 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 coming. They were willingly ignorant of it. Even during that time, willful ignorance. Paul, prior to the time period that Peter wrote that, stood on Mars Hill in Athens prior to uh, the full revelation of God, and said in Acts 17.30, as we have it recorded, the times of this ignorance God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. To the Corinthians, in a context where he's chastising them about their, their, their confusion relative and some holding to false doctrine relative to the, to the resurrection of Christ, in 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 34, he says, Awake to righteousness and sin not, for some have not the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. Ignorance is not acceptable to God. It wasn't before revelation was complete. It certainly is not now. And you have to wake up. You have to see, understand, and know the truth. Now, I said I wanted to talk about a point about the continual growth process. Throughout the Bible, we see this. Whether it's the Old Testament or the New, in Proverbs 1.5, it says, a, man, a wise man will hear and will increase learning, and a man of understanding shall attain unto wise counsels. In 1 Thessalonians 4, 1 and 2. Furthermore, then we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus, that as you've received of us how you ought to walk and to please God, so you would abound more and more, for you know what commandments we gave you by the Lord Jesus. So whether it's of the Old Testament uh, time period, um, during the point where the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms are being uh, written, a wise man hears and increases in learning. Even though you have wisdom, you've got room to grow. Even if you have come to the knowledge of Genesis through Revelation to a complete and perfect knowledge, you still got room to grow. Applications, things that you can get by. And we see the affirmation of that in 1 Thessalonians 4, 1 and 2 with the language of abound more and more. And what you've been taught, you can grow. Now, you've got to desire that. In 1 Peter 2, 1 and 2, wherefore laying aside all malice and all guile, and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speakings as newborn, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. You got a desire to grow, but even once you know things, there are still times where you need things to kind of be brought back to recollection, brought back to your memory. And we see that in the role of teaching in the epistles. Uh, Paul to Timothy in 1 Timothy 4, 1 through 6 says, The Spirit speaketh expressly, that in later times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from meats which God hath created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. For every creature of God is good, and nothing will be refused if it be received with thanksgiving. For it's sanctified by the word of God in prayer. If thou put the brethren in remembrance of these things, thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished up in the words of faith and of good doctrine, whereunto thou hast attained. So the instruction to the evangelist Timothy was, put the brethren in remembrance of these things. Peter, and, and twice in 2 Peter, the first time in 2 Peter 1, 12 and 13, says, Wherefore I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though you know them. So it's not, hey, I'm teaching you something brand new. No, it's reminding them of something they already have knowledge of. And he goes on, and be established in the present truth. Yeah, I think it meet, as long as I'm in this tabernacle, to stir you up by putting you in remembrance. Then in chapter 3, 
And we looked at verse 5 earlier, verses 1 and 2. He says, This second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you, in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance, that ye may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior. So he's writing a second letter to stir them up in, in remembrance, that they remember what was said beforehand, what was taught before. Now, that doesn't mean they don't know. You know, the church in Thessalonica and, and 1 Thessalonians 4, 9, and 10, If we, we looked at verses 1 and 2, verses 9 and 10, just a little bit down in that context, but as touching brotherly love, ye need not that I write unto you. Did you hear that? They understood brotherly love, but this is what he goes on to say. For yourselves are taught of God to love one another, and indeed you do it toward all the brethren which are in Macedonia. But we beseech you, brethren, that ye increase more and more. So he says, you know about brotherly love. You are practicing brotherly love. But what they write unto them, that they may do it more and more. In the previous chapter, in chapter 3, Paul and Silvanus are talking about how they desire to see the Thessalonians. Timothy had been sent to see how they were doing. In 1 Thessalonians 3.10, Night and day praying exceedingly that we might see your face and might perfect that which is lacking in your faith. So sometimes it's just about being strengthened. So just, just growing in it. Continual learning and growth is going to be the process for even knowledgeable people. And, and I, I want to come back to 2 Peter again. Um, in 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 11, so prior to him saying, you know, I'm bringing things to remembrance, he says, according as divine power hath given unto us all things obtained in life and godliness. Now, I just want to stop here. I know I said I wanted, wanted to move on and be more fluid, but I just got to say this. When Peter writes this, the revelation of God is not complete. But when he writes this and he reveals to them what's in this epistle, what they needed to know at that time was complete. So uh, I'm going to begin again, 2 Peter 1, 3 through 11. This time I'll, I'll try to just stick to giving you the text. It says, According as the divine power hath given unto us all things pertaining to life and godliness, through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that's in the world through lust. And besides this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge temperance, to temperance patience, to patience godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, to brotherly kindness charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Wherefore, the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you shall never fall. For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly in the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Later in that epistle, chapter 3 and verse 18, 2 Peter 3, 18, but grow in grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Even bring things to remembrance. Things that they already knew, like the Thessalonians. They already knew about brotherly love. They already knew about godliness. But you got to keep growing. And as you grow in one thing, it leads to your growth in another area. You know, the more and more you grow in brotherly love, for example, the more and more you might understand the need to exhort your brethren that they might continue in the faith, Hebrews 3 and verse 13. So you might know both of those instructions... But the more you fall in love with the saints, the more you understand the necessity of that because you want to spend eternity with them. Now, I want to illustrate something to you. If I were to ask you, is Jesus God? I would hope that you would know and understand and say, yes. Romans 9, 1 through 5, he is deity. That you would understand he is from above and you must believe that, John 8, 24 and 25, to even consider possibility of being saved. Well, Jesus being deity, I want you to consider him for a moment. I want you to think about something. In Matthew 11 and verse 27, you got to follow this. Don't check out on me. Um, spend a few moments listening carefully. If you're driving down the street or whatever you're doing while you listen to the podcast, 
Don't, 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 don't completely lose sight of, of things you're doing, but pay close attention. In Matthew eleven twenty seven, it says, All things are delivered unto me and my Father. And no man knoweth the Son but the Father, and neither knoweth any man the Father save the Son, and, and he to whomsoever the Son were villain. So all things are delivered unto him. In John 16, 29 and 30, his disciples said to him, Lo, now speakest thou plainly, and speakest no proverb. Now are we sure that thou knowest all things, and needest not that any man should ask thee? By this we believe that thou camest forth from God. And then in John 21, 17, he saith in him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he said in him the third time, lovest thou me? And he said in him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee, Jesus, and in him feed my sheep. Everything's delivered to him, even the disciples who were struggling with faith, by the way. You can see that in Matthew 28, uh, 16 through 20, Mark 16, 14. They were struggling in their faith. Some of them did not fully believe. At this point in time, they knew and were sure that Jesus knew all things. He knew what was going to happen to him. And John 18, 4, Jesus, therefore, knowing all things that should come upon him, went forth and said to them, Whom seek ye? Now, with all of that, I want you to consider Hebrews 5, 5 through 9. It says, So also Christ glorified not himself to be made a high priest. We said to him, Thou art my son today, so... Today have I begotten thee. As he saith also in another place, thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek, who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with strong crying and tears unto him that was able to save him from death, and was heard and that he feared, though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered, and being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation to all that abam. Did you hear that? It said, yet learned he obedience. Jesus, who knew all things, knew what was going to happen unto him, still learned through experience. He had the information, but he learned through experience. He knew what it meant to obey the Father. I mean, multiple times. John 4, 34. You send them, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. This is right after his conversation with the Samaritan woman at the well to the disciples when they wanted him to eat. In John 6, 38, he said, For I came down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. And then John 15, 10, speaking to his disciples, If ye keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. He knew the will of God. He knew he came to do the will of God. He did the will of God. He was keeping the commandments of his Father, of our Father, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. He knew he was going to die, but he experienced it. He has a degree of knowledge and understanding that the Father and the Holy Spirit don't because they've not lived in the flesh. So you and I would likely say, God knows everything. Okay, great. But Jesus expanded that knowledge base. And you have to accept that because the Word of God says that. Experience is a teacher. It's why when we look at the qualifications of elders, overseers of the church, they are called elders for a reason. Uh, among their qualifications in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1-7 through and Titus 1-5-9, they are elders. They're older. They have raised up children. Their children are faithful. They have kept their household in order, among other things. They've lived life. They're not a novice, lest being lifted up with pride, they fall in condemnation of the devil. Why is that? Because even though somebody at 30 years old may have a grasp of the Word of God and knowledge of the Word of God, they don't have the experience to have the knowledge an elder would have somebody older might have. I remember when I was younger teaching things about marriage and, and parenting, what I taught was the truth. What I taught has not changed in 20-whatever years it has been since I started publicly uh, preaching. But what I can tell you from growth and from experience some things in life, I never have changed the teaching about how to raise children or how to be faithful to your spouse 
but I do certainly understand it better. Having lived through that stages, having children in their 20s now, having raised three children with different types of challenges, I have an appreciation and an understanding uh, of a greater depth. The information's never changed. Still the same truth. Just understand a little bit deeper. I would hope that in another 10 years, I'll say that about other things. And in another 10 years, if I'm still alive, and another 10, and another 10, so forth, so on, um, I hope that I will abound more and more, like we read written to the Thessalonians. They knew about brotherly love. They were practicing brotherly love, but they needed to abound more and more. That's always going to be the truth. I have not learned new scriptures about how to correct a child or raise up a child in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. It's not like I found a verse in the Bible that I didn't know about 20 years ago. Um, but I do understand those scriptures with experience better than I did 20 years ago. It doesn't change what I teach. just helps with my understanding of it. That's growth. And you want to see that in your life. The information is not going to be new. You're not going to hear a verse and say, after, I would hope, now let me back up here. My brethren here frequently talk about how when they were in other congregations or groups, they never talked about these scriptures and those scriptures, etc., because we go verse by verse through the scriptures in our Bible classes here, just go verse by verse and study them. And we don't, we don't go, like we're studying the book of Luke and we're in chapter 10 right now. We're going to be picking up in Luke 10, 25. And we might study Luke 10, 25, 26, maybe verse 27. Highly unlikely that we'll get through verse 28. We have an hour-long Bible class because we're going to talk in depth about them. And, and, and that'll be in, in our second Sunday class, first class. We're in 1 John. Uh, we're going to be starting in 1 John 2, 29. Uh, we will likely get through verse 29, depending on the conversation and the questions. We, we, we will likely get into chapter 3 and verse 1. We may get to chapter 3 and verse 2. And this is an hour and a half class. We're not going to get beyond 1 John 3, 2. Even if there is no discussion, there's just too much depth of things that we're going to be talking about there. And here's what I can tell you. No one here is going to have a moment where they say, I never knew that. But a lot of people here are going to have a moment in these class discussions where an illustration makes more sense or an application that they hadn't considered before. And if we study through 1 John now and in 10 years come back and study through 1 John, 10, 1 John again in 10 years, there are going to be brethren that have been in the first study that will be in the second study, hopefully, and with a greater understanding and more experience and wisdom, we'll look at the same verses and say, hey, wait, you know what? Consider this application. That's growth. I want to tell you why this podcast, why this subject, why this Bible study is very, very important. The idea of perpetual ignorance teaches people Something that the Bible says is sinful and wrong. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, I'm going to read 1 through 7. Verse 7 is the point. It says this, this is Paul to Timothy, the evangelist, the preacher. He says, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. Men shall be lovers of their own self, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient unto parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, so they appear to be godly, but denying the power thereof, from such turn away. For of this sort are they which creep into houses. So everything that we just talked about are the type of people that creep into houses. What do they do? And lead captive silly women laden with sins, led away with divers' lusts, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Perpetual ignorance 
is what gets you to 2 Timothy 3.7. Makes you ever learning and never able to come to knowledge of the truth. Because you always build ignorance into it. And you think, I just don't know. I just don't know. For various reasons, there are types of people that can't learn. Types of people that, that don't get it. You know, in Proverbs 23 and verse 9, it says, Speak not in the ears of a fool, for he will despise the wisdom of thy words. A fool can't learn. Why? Because he despises the wisdom of words. Just the other day, I got a phone call, and I spent some time on the phone with an individual who has some type of mental disturbance. And I was trying to work through this with him and trying to get it into a Bible study and trying to get him to open up a little bit, but he didn't want to listen. He didn't want to talk. I can't do anything about that. That person can't learn in the state that they're in. Then in John 3, 19 through 21, this is the condemnation that light is coming to the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hath the light, neither cometh the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth the truth cometh in the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. There are some people that don't come to the knowledge of the truth because they expose them for what they are. There are others, and this, what we're about to, to talk about in 1 Corinthians 3, 1 through 3, is written to people who had obeyed the gospel, who were Christians. The church in Corinth started in Acts 18. Paul writes to them, says, And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto you are not able to bear it. Neither are you now able, for ye are yet carnal. For where is there among you envying and strife, divisions? Are you not carnal and walk as men? Some people are too carnally minded to learn. The word of God can't be taken in and, and, and into their heart, bear root, and, and, or take root and bear fruit. Why? Because they're too carnally minded. One of the things that you have to do when you're seeking the Lord is change the way you think prior to the word of God being effective. In Isaiah 55, 6 and 7, it says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near, speaking to Israel. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him return to the Lord and he will have mercy upon him to our God for he will abundantly pardon. This is talking to apostate Israel. One of the things they needed to do was change the way they think. Forsake his thoughts. Who? The unrighteous man. You know, there are some people that aren't teachable that are ever learning and never able to come to knowledge of the truth. Don't be that person. And perpetual ignorance excuses that. Perpetual ignorance tells you you're okay in that state. No, you're not. You need to remove whatever roadblock keeps you from learning. If you're sitting there saying, yeah, you know, I used to believe this and this is wrong and I used to believe this and this is wrong, and you're doing that year after year after year after year, something is wrong. Now listen, I've been in a point where I had to repent of false beliefs and teaching. But I didn't stay there. I walked away from that. Came to the knowledge of the truth and obeyed it. One of the things that people do to remain perpetually ignorant is they make things harder than they need to be. Well, in Proverbs 14, 6, there's an interesting statement. It says, A scorner seeketh wisdom and findeth it not, but knowledge is easy unto him that understandeth. What type of person are you? What type of person are you? In Matthew chapter 11, we talked about verse 27 earlier, where we were looking at the fact that all things were delivered unto Jesus. If you were to keep reading verses 28 through 30, Jesus says, Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, notice this, and learn of me. For I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. It's not that hard. If it's that hard to you, you're learning the wrong way. Don't allow false teachers who may have pretentious knowledge. You know, people that get up there and they use big words and you're saying, wow, I have no idea what he's saying. <laughs> you know why that's the case? He doesn't want you to have any idea what he's saying. He's using the philosophy of men to capture your admiration, to keep you confused, 
and to be able to manipulate you, and you believe that you're in a state of perpetual ignorance when I have clearly proven that that is not supposed to be the case. Don't allow the false teacher to do this to you. In the book of Jude, it's a one-chapter book, verse 16 says, There are murmurers and complainers walking at their own lust, and their mouth speaketh great swelling words, having men's person and admiration because of advantage. There are people out there trying to make you think that you're just not intelligent enough. Listen, we just talked about this in, in our Bible study, one of our Bible studies last week down here in El Paso. Uh, back in 1999, I was preaching in Virginia, and I was trying to work my way through Greek language and understanding, and there were times, I remember in particular, I was teaching through the book of Matthew, and there were times where I was coming upon words, and I would have to have five, six books out on my desk, looking up words, trying to understand, you know, the verb tense of it, how that equated to the text and everything else. I was making it so hard, making it so hard. Now, you don't need five or six books. You know, there are so many free online tools to do quick word studies. I mean, uh, there's an app. You can have it on your phone and um, multiple apps. I'm not trying to sell or tell you to use one or another. Multiple apps. Um, as you know, if you're listening to this podcast, I use the King James Version of the Bible. I, I do look at others uh, as I compare translations, but I teach from the King James Version of the Bible. It's the most reliable that I have found to the text there is no perfect English translation, so I'm not saying that, that the King James is a perfect translation. But let's just say, for example, say that I'm stuck on a word. Um, I'm, just, I'm just opening my Bible to Colossians 1. Uh, I grab my phone here, and let's say I'm looking at the word redemption. On my phone, I've got this uh, olive tree Bible thing. I've been using it since early 2000s, back when Palm Pilots, if, if, if you know what that is. I had a Palm Pilot, and I, I bought this, and, and, and it, the, I've never had to repurchase the King James with Strong's numbers, but that's I bought it then, and they've allowed me to use that license over and over and over and over and over again. Uh, computer, uh, iPad, iPhone, whatever you got. So if I'm just stuck on, I'll use something easy. I'm stuck on the word redemption. I just click on it. It gives me the Strong's number, 629, the G before it is for Greek, okay? And, and it says from a compound of 575 30, uh, 3083. I can click on those and see what those words are. The definition is ransom in full, figuratively riddance, specifically Christian salvation, deliverance, redemption. And then I can look down and I can see that 10 times is translated redemption, or nine times, I'm sorry, and once is deliverance. Then I can search for that Strong's number, 629, and I can look at every verse that that word is in, starting with Luke 21, 28, all the way down through Hebrews eleven thirty five. 35. Now, now, this simplifies what used to take me hours. Then I just go and I read the context of those verses, see how that word is used in those contexts, and then I fully understand redemption. You can do that. You don't need... Somebody telling you they have a degree in theology or Greek or Hebrew or Aramaic or anything else. You can do that. The technology is your fingertips. You can have all that ability that all those guys stand up when they're using a Greek, when they're using Greek, you know what they did in preparation. Same thing I just did. Okay? You don't have to be a genius. Teaching from a word study perspective used to take hours and hours. Now, I'm not saying it doesn't take hours. I know for me, I'm, I'm, I'm a bit thorough. Um, as a teacher, I want to understand the context of every verse that I bring up, especially when I'm teaching classes. And, and, and our classes here, we have two and a half hours worth of classes every Sunday here in El Paso. And, and the brethren are free and open at any point in time to ask questions. I like to know all the answers before the questions are asked. I want to be a good teacher. Um, so I, I look at all the context, get a grasp of the context. A lot of times it's just remembrance. So oh, I haven't studied this in a long time or whatever the case may be. Um, you don't necessarily have to go to that depth, 
But even if you do, it's not going to take you a couple of days to do an in-depth word study. It's going to take you a few hours, depending on how many times that Greek or Hebrew word is used. And whether you look up every context or not, you're, you're going to get a pretty good understanding. Don't, don't be baffled. Don't allow somebody to throw you off. Just take the time to study the Word of God. You're supposed to do that, you know. You're supposed to do that. The teacher is responsible for teaching. You are responsible for learning. You are responsible to prove all things, hold fast that which is good, 1 Thessalonians 5.21. You're responsible for that. Now listen, how important is it to understand that you cannot stay in a perpetual state of ignorance? Eternal life depends on it. In Jesus' prayer in John 17, 3, he says, This is life eternal, and that they may know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. This is eternal life. To know. To know. Don't let somebody tell you you can't know. You can know. You can know. You can study the Word of God. You can get help. Hey, you know it. At the end of my podcast, I like to remind people, I'm here to help. Give me a call. My phone number is 915-525-5794. Email me, brian at wordsoftruth.net. I've got thousands of pages on my website that are all free. Studies of the Old Testament, studies in the New Testament, topical studies, all free. You can print them, you can save them, you can read them online. I've got audio sermons for years going back. Thousands of files for free at www.wordsoftruth.net. But what I would love most of all is for you to ask me questions and me to be able to help. I'd love that. If you'd give me that opportunity, it'd be a great thing you could do for me. I'm not asking you for money. I'm not asking you to like, subscribe, and share. I mean, all of that would help this podcast get out there to other people. But what I'd really like is the opportunity to teach you. Thank you for listening today. I hope that you will tune back in on Tuesday and hear the podcast about the necessity of being a member of a faithful congregation. I think you will find that to be a good biblical study. I hope all of them are. Uh, But I thank you for listening. And if all works out, uh, I'll have a podcast for you on Tuesday. Till then.